we continue our countdown of the best prospect pulls in the NHL, and we continue this with picks 26 through 24, the Oilers, the Rangers, and the Canucks, all coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you uh, five days a week, Monday to Friday. During the summertime, though, it's going to be three times a week. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High, and we're continuing our countdown of the best prospect pools in the NHL. We're down to teams 26 through 24. We're going to be talking about the Oilers. Rangers and Canucks prospect pools in today's episode. But before we get into any of it, just make sure to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. Now, uh, for our first segment, now, before actually we get into any of this, now record, we're recording this as of July 31st. Um, and this morning, there were the exhibition games, the pre-tournament games for the Helenka Gretzky Cup. We saw a lot of the 2024 NHL draft eligibles in action. Um, I watched the Canada versus Finland game. Finland won that game 9-6, to six, a coach's nightmare. Uh, and yeah, the defense looked rough, even though the defensemen themselves on Team Canada are very alluring. We've got guys like Sam Dickinson and Henry Muse and Zane Parekh. All very high-end 2024 NHL draft defensemen, but it was pretty rough to watch. A lot of those defensemen got beat. Uh, the goaltender in net for most of the game, Gabriel Daigle, was having a very rough game as well. Um, and Finland was just a lot more efficient, a lot more cohesive, and a lot more effect- effective in the way that they were producing offense. Whereas Canada was trying to get get by on talent alone, and it wasn't working out. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to give a little parenthesis on that. We're going to be having uh, a bit more of these kind of snippets at the start of episodes regarding uh, what the Helenka Gretzky Cup is looking like as the month of August goes on. So let's get into it, Sebastian. Uh, we've got the Edmonton Oilers here for starters at 26. Um, now, for me, I think the main prospect that stands out in the pool now that Dylan Holloway is considered a graduate, now that Philip Broberg is considered a graduate, would probably be uh, Xavier Borgo. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that. I think I might put Bo Aiki slightly ahead of him, but oh, yeah. I'm happy to hear your piece on on Vogel. Well, I just I, I've always liked the progression, and I feel like even though there has been some sort of stagnation in the queue for a bit of a while, I feel like he's going to have a great opportunity to develop in the AHL and work his way up. Um, Bogo's just a fantastic stick handler. He's got a lot of on-puck skill. He's able to get involved defensively. He's able to put in that effort level. It's not to the level where it could be, uh, and he certainly needs to up that that kind of effort level and defensive game to be a regular NHLer, but the on-puck game, the skill set is really high-end. I really like the goal-scoring and playmaking abilities as well. So for me, Aki is just, you know, there's a clear pathway for him in a bottom in the bottom four role as a defenseman. Um, but for Bogo, I see a bit more of a glimpse of kind of a top six player. Um, even though the production has stagnated and lagged behind, I still see that production as something that is re- realistically possible. Whereas with Aki, it's just from day one, we're looking at a player who projects really well, but 
I mean, do you see him become a top pair, you know, number three defenseman? I see him as at most a number four, right? I definitely think the most likely outcome is a bottom three defenseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, I do think that his toolkit and his intelligence and his overall transition game, both offensively yeah. and defensively, are strong enough to potentially unlock higher upside as the years progress. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think guys like Aki and Matthew Mania and Cam Allen, if we're looking at like OHL defensemen that got picked later than I think they should have, yeah, I think those are all players that could really really like like, with their toolkits unlock that higher end upside and i think aki's the best of that of that bunch uh so Mm -hmm. i do think there's an outside chance that he's a number two defenseman in the end but it's a long shot uh yeah which is also why edmonton's lower down on our on our ranking here of of teams but uh that said aki's one of my favorite players to watch he is he was probably the best rush defender in the entire draft class in 2023. Mm-hmm. A tremendous skater, really fluid. As the year went on, he was showing a lot more offensive engagement and creativity and dom- and dominance, really. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's been really fun to watch uh, and one of my favorites. Uh, but yeah, Bulgu is a player that I think I've, I've kind of cooled on a little bit and I was never the highest on him to begin with, yeah. uh, even in going back to his draft year season. Uh, that said, I think, I think a, a third line, like, like projection is totally reasonable. I'm not quite sold in the top six upside at this point in time. Uh, but that's kind of the moral of the story with a lot of the, the, the prospects in Edmonton's pool. There's a lot of players that are intriguing, but to me are, are kind of limited in some ways. Like Raphael Lavoie has a really interesting toolkit, but has still not really been able to fully put it together. Uh, yeah. and, and he's been playing what? Pro hockey for the last like three plus years. Yeah. Um, Carter Savoie, I thought was uh, was excellent in the NCAA, and he really struggled against pro competition last season because <laughs> the knock on him was always low engagement and and quote unquote laziness or, or selfishness, which I thought progressed a ton in like a positive way th- throughout his time in college hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it really has bitten him in, in against pro competition where even like, the extra seconds of hesitation that he'd take on the puck uh, in college that he'd get away with, he's not mm-hmm. getting away with anymore. And he was not getting many minutes as a result. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Matt Petrov is another player that I think is quite interesting. Uh, I've watched him quite a bit. I'm, I'm based in Ottawa, so I get to watch a lot of the OHL boys. And mm-hmm. uh, Petrov was really impressive as a D plus one, uh, mm-hmm. scored 40 goals, 90 points. And uh, I, I was really impressed with him as a true dual threat on the power play specifically, he was really learning how to deceive defenders uh, with his dual threat. And uh, I was really impressed. Uh, and last season, I thought that the goal scoring and that, I guess, intensity around the net kind of took a step back. Uh, he became a stronger playmaker, but uh, I think his overall progression kind of stagnated a little bit as a D plus two. Uh, that said, there's a ton of skill in this player and, I think that there is middle six upside. Those are more of a long shot than some of the other forwards we've mentioned so far. No, for sure. And, you know, there, there are a couple interesting-ish names in there, like Tyler Tulio and uh, even Luca Munzenberger that we didn't mention, but it's for a good reason. I don't think either of us really kind of see much out of Munzenberger that's promising. It's a great a German, German name. I love it. But Yeah, and we yeah. love our German boys, but it's just it, it's tough to um, kind of project them as 
really anything at the NHL level. It's kind of a baffling pick to me. You got guys like Lane Peterson and, um, you know, Jaden Groove, who they acquired uh, recently as well. Uh, there are a couple interesting names in there, Jake Chason, but nothing really that stands out and makes them it makes it gives any promise in terms of at least a top six player you know no one who can who you can plug into you know realistically realistically plug into a top six role or a top four defensive role sort of seamlessly and as comfortably as as other prospects in other pools so that's why we have them at 26 um but that's for our first segment with edmonton now we're going to be going into uh the rangers prospect pool uh very soon but before we get into that uh sebastian who's our sponsor for today's episode Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first betting amount back in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right. For just a $20 bet, you can get you can land $200 in free bonus bets, win or lose, which you can use on anything from money lines to over and unders to who you think is going to swing the first home run of the game. All on an app that's safe, secure, easy to use, and best of all, you get your winnings instantly. There's no better place to bet MLB than on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and uh, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get up to $200 in free bonus bets. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, so moving on to our second segment in team number 25 in our countdown of the best prospect pools in the NHL. We've got the New York Rangers. Now, the Rangers just recently added Gabe Perot, who's a very polarizing player, uh, which is very surprising because even among the public sphere, usually the guys in the public sphere like the very intelligent, very good playmaking kind of undersized uh, player who a lot of teams usually shy away from. But this year was kind of the opposite. We saw a lot of public boards and a lot of a lot of people who are in touch with the um, the private sphere, the, the the NHL teams have them a lot higher in their rankings and in their projections than the public sphere. So, for Gabe Perot, what's the main difference for you, um, and and why is the projection different than with other players with similar profiles from from previous years? He's a fascinating case study, and I I think I I was. I held so many different positions on him throughout the season uh, yeah. with the more viewings I got. I, I don't know if there's a single player that I watched more video on than Gabe Perot, just because he mm -hmm. made me want to tear my hair out in terms of not understanding or struggling in a, a how to rank him based off of weighing his projection and the skill. And it's yeah. just two very, very different things. Mm -hmm. Gabe Perot was among the most skilled, most intelligent, uh, most electrifying players in the entire draft class. Uh, this is a player who can probably outthink every single draft eligible in 2023, not named Bedard or Mitchkov. Yeah. And, uh, and he has the handling skill to match, truly elite skill. He is a tremendous playmaker, uh, incredibly deceptive. In the offensive zone, uh, he is <laughs> really, really fun. That said, I do think that he benefited a lot from his situation. He is a yep. player that, despite all of his skill and handling ability, is at his best when not touching the puck too much. He is great off the puck, finding soft ice in the offensive zone. But he's the type of player that is a bit of a conduit on his line rather than like the, the puck carrier. And uh, that really benefited him in that context of playing with Will Smith and uh, Ryan Leonard. Yep. But... 
it brings some question marks on how we will project when he's not playing with those two specific players that really facilitate his style of play. Uh, he's also, he's, he's a poor skater. That is one of the biggest question marks in his projection. And I think uh, you and I definitely agree on that. It's a poor stride, uh, lacks power. He lacks strength. The combination of lacking physicality and skating as a small player is uh, concerning in terms of projection. Sure. That said, I ranked him 21st overall. I think yeah. that the risk is worthwhile because I think the upside is a complimentary first line player mm -hmm. uh, who can match the intelligence of pretty much any player in the league uh, on, on first lines. So yeah. I, I, I liked the pick for the Rangers. I was surprised by it. I, di I did not expect New York to be the team to like swing on him. Yeah. Uh, but he did fall a little bit further than I expected him to because we we were seeing some NHL sources saying like this is a top 10 talent for sure. Mm -hmm. And he didn't go top 10. And yeah. uh, I think in the end, he went a lot closer to where I would have been comfortable taking him. So I mm -hmm. thought that was an excellent pick for New York. Definitely a risk. He's not a guaranteed NHLer, let alone a guaranteed star. Mm -hmm. But the upside here is really significant. For sure. No, I, I definitely agree. And I think that he complements a guy like Brennan Hoffman really well. Um, sure. in terms of skill sets, you've got a guy like Brennan Hoffman in the, in the system who is probably one of the best goal scorers outside of the NHL. I mean, his shot is ridiculously heavy and accurate. Um, and on top of that, he's one of the best at shooting off receptions. Um, very, very quick release and doesn't need a perfect pass to set it up and, and, and shoot it, which is just, it's awesome to see him go about it. There's a reason he's played with the likes of Connor Bedard and, and et cetera at, at, at international tournaments. He's just a very, very solid, uh, player in terms of what he brings to the game um and you know for me that combination is what puts him slightly ahead of the other two uh, the other the other team that we've mentioned so far in edmonton um there's also a couple other guys that i really really like like i think i think adam shakora's pickup in the second round last year was probably one of the best pickups of the of last year's draft i'm a huge fan Shikora. of this game probably the best for me was the best defensive player in the 2022 draft wow like i i I like Yuri Kulik. I like what what he brings to the game. But for me, Adam Shakora is defensive, defensive forward, or defensive player. Oh yeah, no defensive forward. Let's okay, yeah, I was like, I was, yeah. I was like defensive player. I was like, that is a hot take. But no, I'm no, not it. at all. It's really just you know, in terms of of defensive forwards. Yeah, I've never seen a player say to to the media when they ask him what his favorite part of hockey is, respond with penalty killing and blocking shots. That was his answer <laughs> to insane. media. It's it's, it's he, he's his mindset yeah. is ridiculous defensively, and that's one thing I really like out of Shakora. Um, but Shakora is one of those guys that I feel like you can plug into a bottom six extremely well, and they'll push up really well. But I don't see a skill set beyond that. It's just when you when you're that good defensively, you can rely on that exclusively and become a fantastic defensive forward at the NHL sure. level. The type of guy that wins cups for your team. Um, there's a couple other guys like Brett Berard, who I think has a very alluring skill set. He's a very sure. skillful, very dynamic, and very energetic Intense. player. He's the, really the intensity's bad. off the charts. Yeah. yeah, and you've got guys like Will Cooley as well. I think it's really interesting in terms of the profile that it brings to the game. A great playmaker and connector. Um, but nothing... They don't have a player who I feel is complete enough that you can sh for sure see them have a complete 200-foot effort level, 200-foot game, and be able to produce offensively. I don't think they have any of that. Perot is certainly not that. Offman is certainly not that. Bryce McConnell-Barker being their best center in terms of prospects is not yeah, good. That's not um, ideal. He's, he's not a great skater. Uh, he's, yeah. he's a bit limited in what he can do. Um, no, I think absolutely. best case scenario, the bottom six guy, maybe because mm -hmm. the playmaking is in uh, good. 
<laughs> but everything else to me is a bit of a question mark with BMB. I do like the shot though. I, I can't. The shot's good. I, yeah, I'd be I'd be remiss to it's not heavy. mention it, that. He's, it's heavy, yeah. but he needs so much space to get it off, which to me is just concerning in terms of projection. But no, exactly. uh, yeah, I think, I think and I don't necessarily Cal- see. Yeah, I don't necessarily see any goaltenders in their pool as well that really kind of allure me. Kind of, Olaf Lindbaum was interesting when he got drafted, but it's been a rough time for him so far. He's been a sub nine hundred save percentage goaltender in the ECHL this year, which is Yikes. Yeah. yeah, and defensively, he's kind of getting empty now that Braden Schneider and Zach Jones are considered graduates, so that's what leaves them outside, but really, in terms of the forwards they have, it is pretty interesting. They have a lot of individual pieces with very particular skill sets, complementary skill sets, but they but don't have all players... Winners. Exactly. No centers that are, are really showing interest. I mean, Ryder Korchak is fine as well. It's just... For me, the main issue with them is the lack of center center depth, the lack of defense depth, and the lack of goaltending depth because they're good on wingers for the next like ten years. Um, <laughs> but like I mentioned, all their wingers have different skill sets, and none of them overlap. I don't see Brennan Offman ever contributing defensively, Gabe Perot either. I don't yeah. see Brennan Offman developing playmaking like Gabe Perot's. I don't see Adam Shakora developing neither the playmaking nor the goal scoring of Gabe Perot or Brennan Offman. They have no overlap in terms of the prospects they have, which is very weird for me. Yeah. Um, but listen, Gabe Pro was the best and is is the best NTDB scorer in the in the program's history. So yeah. we gotta keep that in consideration, and that's why they edge out Edmonton. It's just the, the the talent they have and the upside they have, Edmonton just simply doesn't have. For sure. So that's kind of the difference maker for us. Um any other prospects you'd like to mention and kind of talk about? Uh, Kale Vaisenin is kind of cool. I, yeah. I enjoy watching him play, uh, especially internationally. He's kind of a a wacky, massive, massive winger, uh, yep. but he has good puck protection mechanics and decent hands. And when when he has his small flashes of dynamism and brilliance, mm-hmm. it brings me joy. He's really he's he's fun in those little flashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of NHL projection, I don't know if he's really worth too much of a mention here yeah me neither (laughs) exactly so that wraps things up for the new york rangers prospect pool and we're going to go into uh the vancouver canucks prospect pool breakdown their new addition from this year pretty controversial one but also pretty interesting uh Mm. we'll talk about some of the depth in their prospect pool we'll get on we'll get back into it on this episode of locked on nhl prospects all righty so let's get into vancouver's prospect pool now they made a pretty controversial ad in uh last year's draft at 11th overall i don't know if i would have picked him 11th but i definitely like the player in tom Villander. yeah Villander is for me outside of i mean if you were looking for david reinbacher and david reinbacher was gone i mean tom Villander is a great great constellation prize if you're looking for a, a projectable good rush defending great skating right-handed defenseman with decent size i mean just I, I've I've always come away impressed with every viewing of Villander. I had him in my top twenty, and I was very comfortable with that. Um, but I know you had him very very high. I think you had him one notch below Reinbacher, right above. One notch Something. above, but that was more of a yeah. statement ranking than like I, I think they were a toss up, uh, and yeah. I kind of just wanted to put. I want I wanted to give a little push on Villander because uh he, he'd been ranked below Ryan Bucker for the entire season and I kind of just yep. want to make a little statement on on my belief in him. Mm-hmm. I ranked him 15th overall. 
Uh, I think that in Volander, the Canucks are getting a future top four right shot defenseman who mm-hmm. is already tremendously well-rounded and yep. so, so projectable. Mm-hmm. But I also think that he has some significant growing room left ahead of him uh, where he could really unlock some intriguing offensive potential that could really raise that upside to maybe a number two level. So mm-hmm. uh, he, he's a player who's, whose game is, is really built on his mobility, intelligence, and defensive responsibility. Yep. He is really smart. He, he keeps really tight gaps. He has great footwork. He can, he can match uh, forwards footwork with ease going backwards. Absurd like absurd skating. It's ridiculous. The, the skating is, is, is a real asset. And mm-hmm. I think it could be a separating tool at the NHL level. If it continues on his current trajectory, trajectory, yep. uh, he, he, with the puck, he's a really strong passer. Uh, he, he finds really good lanes. He creates lanes for himself when he's in movement, when he's not in movement, he can be a bit more deer in the headlights. So he has to work on that a little bit (laughs) inside the offensive zone. There are flashes of him wanting to create, but he's hesitant to really pinch above the hash marks. That said, this is the player that's going to be going to be playing with Lane Hudson this season. He's going to learn how to activate offensively, just like Lane Hudson's likely going to learn how to pivot more effectively. Mm-hmm. I think that those two players are going to complement each other's growth tremendously well. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I think that, that BU is a tremendous place for Volander to be mm-hmm. great as regular is as a development place. I don't, I don't know. Is it, is it better than being able to play with Lane Hudson? I'm not I, sure. I, I, I would take Rugla above anything, honestly, most of the time. Reg- just Rugla a- is, is excellent. The, the, for sure. They're a fantastic program. I do agree, though, that having Lane Hudson on your pair. Um, would, and, would... and it'll be Cole Hudson after that. Like Exactly. <laughs> like Especially for a player as as particular in terms of what he needs to learn as Villander and have having him play with Hudson, who has such a particular style as well, and have yeah. them both have weaknesses that the other has as a strength. It's just it's it's perfect. They're very complementary. Exactly. And beyond that, it's just you know for sure that one's going to learn from the other. That's for sure. I mean, both of them are smart enough in order to study the other's game, appreciate what they do well, and incorporate that, which is just going to be very interesting to watch. I'd be very interested in seeing how far Villander comes in the areas that are missing in his game, just by pure result of being on Lane Hudson's line and studying him every day. And his development curve too. Like I yeah. thought, Volander improved so much in the late run of last oh, season. Oh, for sure. Like yeah. there's a re- like there's a reason that he was rocking up everyone's board, and it wasn't just that his U18 performance was amazing. It was his late se- like regular season games were equally impressive, and yep. and he was really really improving as the year was going on. And uh, I thought that he was getting a lot closer to ASP than I thought that he would uh, yeah. throughout. Like Asasani and Pesani Pelica, who went to Detroit. Uh, mm-hmm. who went a bit later, but who, uh, in my opinion, was the, the better of the two players. But yeah. I do think it was a lot closer than 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 many other public scouts uh, may may have thought. For sure. Um, that said, I can't quite rationalize picking Volander over a guy like Zach Benson. However, I don't think that, that he is at all a bad pick or a reach at 11. I thought it was a perfectly fine selection. I know a lot of mm-hmm. people were really, really skeptical about it. But I'm a really big believer in Volander and think that he's a tremendous prospect. Absolutely. So am I. It's just the thing that stings is exactly that. It's the fact it's that Benson. Zach Benson was right there. Because any yeah. day of the week, you take Benson above 
uh, Villander for me. And it's just the fact that he was yeah. available that muddles things. And that's really the, the thing that stings, especially for Canucks fans. It's just the fact that they missed out on one of the most projectable players out of this draft um, in, in, in Zach Benson. I just, it's it's very interesting to me that they went in this direction, but at the same time, I understand the, the desire to compliment Quinn Hughes on a top line eventually. And I feel like if you develop Philander correctly, that's what you're getting out of him. It's a perfect compliment to Quinn Hughes. Um, but time will tell with, the, with him and especially with Benson, who even though he's projectable, might need a bit of time in order he, to convince He needs more time than Villander. Villander's more sure. refined. Exactly. Yeah. No, for sure. And and it's just, you know, that's the main thing that kind of separates the two. And I think that, you know, I understand the argument for the Canucks staff in, in terms of taking Villander above him. It's just for me, you never pick for need in the top 15 of the draft. You always pick the best player available. And for me, it was by far Zach Benson. Um, but time will tell with that. Um, I did want to talk about another right-handed defenseman that the Canucks selected in the last year's draft in Hunter Bustavitz. Bustavitz is a guy I've, I've watched a lot over the last year and a half. Um, what you're getting out of Bustavitz is a very, very good breakout passer and puck mover. You know, in, in terms of profile, you're getting a puck moving defenseman for sure out of Bristevitz. That's what you're going to try to develop out of him. The issue with Bristevitz, and it's the main thing that kept him outside of my first round, even though he he was there sporadically in the in the bottom half, uh, in the bottom kind of tier of my first round um, at the start of the year, was the more I watched him, the more I saw a lot of very concerning passiveness. I thought it was just a bit of inconsistency because he did show some flashes of it at the start of the year. But the more I watched him, the more I realized that 90% of the time, He's not activating. He's not necessarily rushing into gaps to close them. He's not reading the game in order to understand exactly when to push the pace because all he's trying to do is sit back and let the play develop so he can kind of react to play, which is not what you want out of a very good skating kind of puck moving guy. You want him tracking back hard, closing gaps early. That's what you want out of your puck moving defenseman. And that's, for me, Brasavis' biggest weakness and that's what makes him a bit harder to project is that his biggest weakness is an area that you absolutely need as a puck mover. So for me, that's the main thing with Prestavitz. And I've been impressed with some views of him, especially with the ability to manipulate lanes, to, to, to read those second or third passing lanes that other defensemen that don't necessarily read. Um, that's been pretty interesting to me, but he'll need a lot of work in terms of his defensive projectability in terms of his gap control, his rush defending in order to be as effective a puck mover as he is uh, on the puck. Cause the moment he loses it, it's a bit of a deer in the headlight situation. So that's one thing that really needs to improve. Other than him, I think the addition of Atu Rautu to this prospect pool really helps the Canucks. Sure. Um, th that trade, I feel like they came away, you know, pretty decently, you know, trading away a player who probably wasn't going to resign for them anyway. And, getting a probably the i mean definitely the best prospect in the aisles pool which is it's not saying much but still but true but, yeah yeah so what's your read on round two so far uh i know he dropped a lot in his draft here he went to this it went in the second round and since then he's proved a lot of people wrong right i think i had him ranked around 14th overall that year yeah. i definitely thought he was a clear first round talent um mm -hmm. that said his progression as a D plus one was hilarious to me because uh, I was kind of, ex I, for my, my, I think I had like, like three viewings of him in this draft year, which was less than most public scouts. I was still getting into it, but 
I like what I saw. I thought I saw a really intelligent, defensively responsible centerman who had a really good shot, but didn't always know how to use it and exactly. uh, was expected to be the superstar when he just isn't. He's a subtly effective, good player. So I think the superstar expectation on him in, the, in his draft year really weighed on him because it just isn't how he plays the game. No, exactly. However, at this point in time, I, I continue liking his projection a lot. I still think he projects as a middle six centerman. Uh, he's, he's, his intelligence has continued to progress. I think that he's uh, continued to improve his decision-making speed, uh, and he's translated to North America very, very well. Uh, yeah. the, pr the production hasn't been the most consistent throughout his, his time in the AHL, but mm -hmm. I have liked the viewings that I've gotten, uh, and some of them have been in passing, but as a whole, it's been very, very positive. So I, I, this isn't a player that is going to be the savior of the Canucks franchise, but mm -hmm. he's a really solid prospect, and to get a middle six projected center as a piece of that Bo Horvat return, I think was excellent business. Absolutely. And a quick word for me uh, from uh, on Jonathan Lakaramaki, who for me after the draft showed a lot of the issues that I was concerned with um, in his draft year and that led me to rank him in kind of the bottom half of the 20 range um, rather than the top 15 ranking that he was on a lot of boards. For me, Lakaramaki doesn't have a B game. If his scoring doesn't translate. It's not going to work out for him, and it's so far in his in his draftless one year in the Alsvenskan, which is a lower level than he was playing in his draft year. It's been difficult for him. Um, he he did have a decent amount of goals, but for me, it's just when you watch the actual games themselves and see how it breaks down, and just the lack of involvement defensively, the lack of playmaking game. I wasn't as impressed uh, with what Lakaramaki was able to do um, at the at the Alsvenskan level. Um, it was, it was, a, it was a really weird season for him, though, because like yeah. he, he had what, three goals and nine points in the Osvenskan in mm -hmm. 29 games. And mm -hmm. then during the qualification for the SHL, he went in with five goals and 15 points in 15 games. Like he, he, yeah. he, he definitely stepped it up. And I think mm -hmm. I think the reality for him is somewhere in between those two uh, mm -hmm. productions. But uh, there's also a player that I had ranked, I think, 26 to 28th overall uh, in mm -hmm. 2022. So like you, I was a bit more of a skeptic on the goal yeah. scoring. I like a guy like Joachim Kamel a lot more just because he had the B game of the physicality and the checking yeah. game. Whereas with Lakaramaki, yes, he is a strong handler and has a ridiculous shot. But as you said there isn't that fallback game and mm -hmm. especially with, with Vancouver like who would be who would he be playing with in in the NHL that, yeah, that could complement him really really well like that's if, the thing. if the Canucks had a high-end playmaking center coming up mm -hmm. uh, that wasn't Elias Pettersson I'd be a lot more hopeful because yeah. I, I think that there'd be a better fit there mm -hmm. but as of right now I, I'm more hopeful now than I was like a four or five months ago when he was like in like the deep dark uh no production time in the Allsvenskan but yeah uh yeah I, I still have a, a couple doubts especially considering where he's drafted absolutely and a quick quick word on uh just a shout out really on some of the players that we haven't mentioned I think Eli Elias Pettersson the other one the defenseman is <laughs> looking really good in terms of the project production um I feel like he's going to become a very good uh rush defender at the NHL level, probably number five, number six. I'm not convinced of the top four potential, but you never know. Um, and a couple other guys in Aiden McDonough and Arshdeep Baines, who I've really liked watching um, tape of, especially McDonough in his final year in the NCAA was really impressive. He's had a decent um, a kind of uh, de development and has played six games in the NHL, scored a goal, um, looking pretty good so far. 
and one more in Damon Gardner, who I really like um, uh, as a defensive center type of player. Uh, we haven't mentioned Danila Klimovich, but I'm I'm kind of on and off on him. My product, my my, I've I've gone I've fluctuated really on my read of him. Uh, but those are kind of the players that we find interesting enough, and there's enough depth in multiple areas in the in the Canucks prospect pool that they outrank the Rangers and Oilers for us. Um, but that wraps things up for today's episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment saying what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. Um, now, for your second li- listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports Today for all your news about what's going on in the sporting world. And um, for our next episode, we'll be going through the uh, picks 23 through 21 uh, of our countdown to the best prospect pool in the NHL. Uh, so this has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.